Hello again, listeners. Before we head out onto the wild seas of our next scenario, we'd just like to take a moment to say a big thank you to ten of our ten-pound tier Patreon backers, our heralds of the end times, as we like to call them. Without their generosity, we wouldn't be able to pay for Danan's legal fees. We are deeply grateful, and, with a bit of luck, we'll have Danan out and home by Christmas. And so to the invocation of those names. Our deepest gratitude goes out to you, Eileen Kelly, Dylan Lang, Muted for You, also known as Blue Spaceman Zero, Chunky Rook, Tammy Hurley, Craig Taylor, William Marshall, and Julius, and the one we know only as Tim. We only hope you know which Tim you are. Thank you all. Your sacrifice really is very much appreciated, and it helps us run the show and keeps us telling the stories that we so love to tell. And now, as the Antarctic sea captain said to the ornithologist, on with the show. The dense green to black obsidian mass begins to be pulled away from by our invisible camera, traveling at great speed across the glassy surface of the deep South Atlantic as it reaches the Antarctic Straits, the South Shetlands, proof positive of the British influence in these waters. They've got no business being there, but history tells the tale camera pans up and we see the Epsilon Pioneer. Grey skies surrounding, looming over that dense green, maybe a hint of blue in the ocean. Not choppy, but you would never say that it was calm. And a mass of grey cloud is, is forming a bank that hides the top of an island. Some two miles away from it, perhaps? And our camera pans around to see the helicopter aboard this this shining flagship of the British Bird uh, Preservation Society, the BBPS. (laughs) Uh, This is the Epsilon Pioneer. The 1st of March, 1984. Some of us remember it well. (laughs) Now, obviously, you've spent six weeks aboard ship, so you you know each other by now Mm. uh, a little bit. Having been requested to uh, meet the captain, Captain Warncliffe, who's, uh, who's just uh, standing by the bar of the ship there. The bar for the railing of the ship, not the bar where you go to order your gin and tonic. Six of his guests have been asked to join him to raise a toast to the arrival at Griffin Island. The Apocalypse Players present The Trail of the Loathsome Slime A second edition Call of Cthulhu scenario by Marcus L. Rowland Adapted for seventh edition by Joseph Chance 
Starring Dominic Allen as Barney Basker, the documentary maker. And what do you think is the most important thing about preserving endangered birds? Uh, well, uh, birds are... <coughs> birds are... <coughs> Sorry, don't cough into the mic, please. Just, 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 <laughs> just relax, just relax. <laughs> yeah, you step I, back a bit, that's it. I, no, you don't need to be that close, you don't I, need to be that close. I, I, sorry. Dan Wheeler as Johnny McCutcheon, the ornithologist. Birds are, um, they're like, kind of like souls in flight, huh? You know, like humans are, we're a plague, like a parasite on the earth. But birds, they like represent uh, hope, huh? You know, nature, like purest nature in the air. Preserving them is, if we can preserve them, it means we can save all in nature. Not everyone on board ship had the same extremist views as Mr. McCutcheon. <laughs> Are you going to... Is that included in... Do I need to reply to that? No, that's... No, 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 no. That's narration. That's as if I'm speaking directly to the listener. You normally do that after, when I've gone, huh? <laughs> I'm not taking any chances. I'm having to edit live, on the fly. Do you want me to play a bit of guitar? Mmm... Special guest starring Mark Mir as Pascal Giraud, the pilot. What made you want to enlist upon this particular project? Yeah, I reckon it was the paycheck. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and special guest starring Adam Megiddo as Danny Cook, the photographer. I've got, to, I've got to tell you, Barney, your voice is like fucking velvet. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's like, it's like, listen, it's like a snake going down velvet in a sauna. Well, people have said... I could listen to it all night. Well, thank you. People have said far less kind things. Um, but I'm, I can't use any of that because I can't, I can't have swears on the BBC. Um, I won't cuss. No, I won't, I won't cuss. No word of a lie. I won't, I won't do that. Marvellous. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, do you prefer Mr Cook or Cookie or, or Danny? Most, most people call me Cookie, that's all right, I don't mind. Excellent. Cookie is an example. What's on your mind? Sorry, I was just doing a bit of narration there. Um, uh, that's all right, we'll, we'll, cut through, we'll cut around this, be fine. Um, co- <laughs> Cookie is an example of the um, rough and ready types that are needed for such a, a complex uh, naval expedition. Um, Mr Cook, what... what made you want to be part of this expedition of all the other things you could be doing? Well, that's a good question, Barney. I mean, I've been everywhere, to tell you the truth, you know. I've done wildlife, I've done war zones, I've done everything, I'm looking for something. You know, t- actually, to tell you the truth, best gig I ever had mm. was a week in Antigua with Sam Fox and Linda Lou Sardi. But the wife was steaming, she wouldn't speak to me for a week when I come back. <laughs> Something new, mate. Like some some kind of like there's a lot of all you ornithologists getting all excited about it. I'd love to snap something we ain't seen before. Well, that's a very noble aspiration, I think. Um, well, I hope you the wish you the best of luck in in finding whatever it is you're looking for, new experiences, new birds, uh, and possibly a steaming wife. <laughs> <laughs> With Jeannie Spark as Dr. Rosa Thomas Dalton, PhD, the researcher. 
Please, I just want to ask you a few questions. It's for the documentary. Hang on, hang on, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, oh, oh, no, please, the, the shoes. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, I'm so, I'm terribly sorry. I think, I think that was the last no. of it. I'm... Right, I'm sorry, I didn't realise you were in the middle of... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I wouldn't have no, no, pursued no. you as aggressively if I'd known you, that's no, what you were doing. You couldn't have known, you couldn't have known, you couldn't have known. I've got a five-minute window before it happens again, so... If you want to ask me questions oh. for your... Um, is it a, an, a, an interview, a, a documentary? Hopefully it will form a, a very compelling radio documentary about the, uh, the particular uh, ins and outs of this expedition. Um, that's wonderful. Yes, how have you found the... Living on a boat for so long. Um, yes, um, it, uh, an interesting study. I hadn't anticipated I'd be quite so unwell for quite so long. Um, I was told on the beginning of the journey that uh, after ten days, the seasickness tends to, um, to 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 move off one. But um, no, it's been it's been full pelt for six weeks. I've, I've, I, 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 I'm really lo- not looking forward to the return voyage. Um, but uh, it, it, it's been eye opening. Um, but also, I mean, what an adventure to to travel to the other side of the world and to 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 have this opportunity to study the the lesser barbed penguin is a is is it's a real opportunity to see a, a multi species ethnography and to approach anthropology from a whole. I'm sorry, I'm going to stop you right there. I think you've got some of your sick on the microphone. I'm not sure this will pick anything up. Hang on. Oh, I need to oh God, sorry. sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. These things happen. Sorry. It actually it's more uh, often than uh, you think. I'm just. Uh, uh, oh, that window's just tightened rather... I, I'm so sorry. I'll I've come been... back. I'll come back. I'll... Sorry, I'll step outside. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Jesus fucking wind. Danan McAleer as Edwin Crow, the independent security contractor. Right. So, what do you want to know again? Well, I was just going to ask you some questions about the, um, the expedition, what got you involved, and a bit of your Why? background, perhaps. Well, it'll be for the documentary. Mm. I don't think I agreed to be part of a documentary. Well, no one ever does. It's it's meant to be a sort of <laughs> you know, a slice of life crossed with a bit of right. investigative journalism, crossed Quite with a, a bit of nature documentary. Yes. Well, you know, let me ask you: Why are you on this? Why are you on this boat? Well, I was invited to by? to do exactly this. Well, by, by, by various uh, interested parties, I mean... I, Listen, I, I've, I've nothing against you personally. I'm just interested as to why a man would seek to go halfway across the world on a boat full of strangers he don't know and just talk to them. Well, if we don't do that, I mean, can we really say that it's been witnessed? There has to be a record, otherwise it didn't really happen. Why has there got to be a record of everything? I don't like all this writing everything down. Well, it's confusing. If they had, it's just not writing it down, we're recording it. Recording it for the for mass media. If if that didn't happen, then well, what would be the point of the BBC? Right. Okay. So uh, it's a slice of life. If you like, tell yeah. us a slice well, of your life. You said that. I I did. Uh, I did. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I'm I'm not going to say that in the documentary. Uh, oh, I see. I see. I see. Um, grew up in Staithes. How was a slice that? of my life? <laughs> Great. I yeah. See. <laughs> Do you like fish and chips? Do you like the moors? Uh, together? <laughs> well, not always. I mean, I, occasionally I might indulge in some fish and chips. I, I, I grew up in Brighton, oh. actually. Right, I thought you might A lot of fish and, fish and chips there. <clears throat> 
Uh, yeah, I've heard as much. Anyway, my um, fam- I've family got to be going. are Scottish, in fact. Oh, are they? Lovely. Why? Where are you going? Sorry, it's. I don't know. I don't like being in these cramped corridors. That <laughs> I'm off to get a breath of fresh air. All right, I'll see you in a bit. And Joseph Chance as your keeper of the arcane law. It's March the 1st, 1984. You spent the last six weeks on the Epsilon Pioneer, bound for Griffin Island, British Antarctica. You received confirmation of your part in the expedition on November the 9th, 1983, and you departed Bristol to Port Stanley on January the 11th. Discovered by HMS Griffin in 1840, the island is remote and largely unexplored, at least in official terms. It was previously known for its ornithological significance and is a reliable site for the provision of fresh water for passing vessels. The expedition today has a dual purpose, primarily to renew study of the last remaining colony of the lesser barbed penguin, but also to reassess the geological resources available on site and the potential to create an ecologically sound conservation station. The last manned research group faced a very poor Antarctic summer in 1976, arriving in the BBPS's previous ship, the Delta Pioneer, but staying only for a week. Aboard that ship were three members of the crew and officers who were aboard the Epsilon Pioneer, Captain Warncliffe, the first mate, Ericsson, and second mate, Rothman. All have visited the island before. On that occasion, in 76, bad weather made progress towards anything beyond a predicted bird census and a perfunctory land survey, extremely difficult. A return expedition was planned, but the war on the Falklands intervened. Your time on the Epsilon Pioneer has been spent preparing for researches, writing up task rotors, prepping and checking equipment, all alongside the daily business of life aboard ship with over 20 people on board. I won't go through the entire roster of individuals, uh, some of whom you, are your work colleagues, other of whom you barely know, but you sort of say hello to on a, on a passing in the corridors and the ship basis. Uh, but here's a few uh, highlights, shall we say, of personnel aboard. The first mate, Ericsson, has a nice singing voice and is good with the guitar. Dr. Blathby, the leader of the ornithologist team, keeps mostly to himself and has a particular interest in scrimshaw, you've noticed. The chef, Percy Brown, makes curious dishes influenced by his Eastern European ex-wife. You were rather sad to miss out on the crew's borscht with fresh rye bread rolls last night, but you did enjoy the stroganoff with dumplings at the captain's table all the same. And there's the youngest crewman, Ahmad Patel, who has proved most willing to discuss the ship's library, such as it is, proving an almost insatiable conversationalist regarding almost any of the titles therein. You've done a few training sessions regarding the use of new tents designed for Antarctic conditions and familiarisation with survival equipment. The ship is carrying both a sea landing, two-seater Bell helicopter, and in the hold there's a modified ST4 snowtrack, an all-terrain vehicle which seats four with room for research equipment. All the mod cons. This morning is the morning of your arrival at Griffin Island. is indeed fresh. <laughs> the air is indeed fresh as you step out, Pascal Giraud. Uh, you're the first to go out onto deck uh, as 
you see the broad shoulders of, of the tall figure of Captain David Warncliffe. A gentlemanly respect between the two of you has developed. Neither of you is particularly willing to talk about it. He has his Royal Navy way of doing things. Uh, but I think he respects you as a, as, as a man of capability and skill. As you step out, uh, of course, you're wearing uh, your traditional leather jacket. Everyone's now accustomed to seeing you with your utility belt on. And in that moment, you, you strike as the man of action. Uh, are there any other um, distinguishing features? What the camera sees as you step out of that heavy, thick, white-painted door with the wheel lock. Uh, it swings open. You can see Warncliffe ahead. Pascal Giraud is a man of 44, as you mentioned, a man of action. He certainly seems capable. There is a bit of a cynical cast to his features, though, though handsome. He gives the impression of being unruffled by the most intense experiences. Uh, those who've spent some time in his presence would describe him as a cool head in a mad world. As mentioned, he's wearing a leather jacket. Uh, he has a short beard, uh, a goatee originally, but now it's grown out. And uh, his hair is slicked back. He's generally uh, practically dressed. And as mentioned, he carries a utility belt with various items on it. Those who spent some time in his presence know that he does carry a flask with him, and he's not shy about sharing. As he walks up to the captain, he gives a grunt of acknowledgement. Uh, you want to see me, captain? Ah, Giraud, good to have you here. Yes, the others are tardy. Um, uh, hoping to have a little traditional toast to the sighting of land. Well. Uh, second mate called it. Um, we're about 15 minutes away, I think. Look at the flanks on her. And he, and he points across to this really quite dynamic feature of it. It's, it, it appears to be almost like a kind of volcanic emergence from that deep green blue water. The ring of cloud at the top almost like a, a veil hides the very, the very peaks. But you can see snow still on the banks. So there's, there's clearly a beach there and it must be at the ebb of the tide to a certain extent. You could give me a spot hidden. It's a pretty sight and one we have waited a long time to see. I am certainly not one to turn down the, the chance for a toast, especially at the captain's invitation. Uh, and you said a spot hidden roll, yes? Yes, if you, could, if you could give me a spot hidden roll ahead of the others. Okay. Very well, spot hidden. Hey, Dannon, this island sounds familiar, doesn't it? It does, not Tad. A veil of fog back in Whitby Bay again. So soon. Not a bad result. Uh, I got a 53 on a... Oh, no, sorry. That is a 35. So it's a, quite a good result. A 35 on a 55. So you um, you see that he's holding on to the rail really tightly. You can see that his knuckles look a bit white. And, and now you look at him a bit more carefully. You see that he's doing, he, he's doing this thing where his... Although he has a thick beard. He's carrying a bit of extra weight, but he's a, he's a muscular man. Tall. Six foot two, you'd say. His face looks pale, and he seems to be sort of chomping slightly at his mouth. But at that, at that point, he brings out a bottle of Courvoisier <laughs> and says, yes, uh, I've got some cups here. And he's got quite capacious, old-style, thick-woolen, navy-style jacket, and he takes out some kind of camping cup-style things. And Danny Cook 
and Barney Basker come out of the door roughly at the same time, see this happening, uh, and indeed behind them come McCutcheon, Dalton and Crow. You've all been asked individually to toast the island. Oh, please, 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 please. Don't, don't say anything or clink glasses until I've got this thing going. Hang on. <laughs> OK, carry on. Yes, of course, the recording equipment comes out. Um, so Warncliffe starts pouring brandies and goes, Here we are, here we are, everyone. Gentleman, lady, gentleman, lady, there you go. <clears throat> A double measure for you, ma'am. Oh, thank you. Ma'am, I should say, ma'am. Mm. Too much time with those Americans. Thanks very much. Yes. Uh, he doesn't give you a double measure, and he and he's quite soft uh, the eyes when he passes it over to you. Believe you me, we'll be on shore in fifteen minutes. Everything will be fine. Thank God. Uh, could you all give me a spot hidden, and I'll, I'll uh, Giro. I'm going to count you as passing because that was a that was a it was close to a heart. So that's an extreme success from Johnny McCutcheon. Nice. No from Cookie. No from Cookie. Extreme from... A uh, regular success for me. Regular Ooh. success also. Hmm. That's a hard success for me. So Dalton, Basker, or Thomas Dalton and, and Basker, you notice that he looks a bit pale. Um, and, and actually at that point he, he goes... Ooh, and, and sort of does this kind of... As if he's coping with a little bit of a belch. And he... He's only got six cups because I'm like, you know, mm. he's a capable man and a big fellow, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's got. He's not a. He's not a walking bar. The British uh, Association for Research, uh, Antarctic Research Society. He's a drinker though, and he gets out a hip flask and he and he he sips that. But you do notice that he looks pale. The two of you, mm. Danny Cook. I think I think you're just too busy looking at that island. Yeah, sure. And, uh, it's yeah, it's quite a handsome sight after so much sea for so long. I'm usually pretty eagle-eyed, so I'm distracted. And actually, your reward is you get a glimpse of the gold of sun to the east, for it is six forty-five. I'll get some snaps on the Nikon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So cameras up, and for the hard success, Crow, you notice that. It's just that habit you have. You just cast over your eyes. Yeah. And you see that there's a figure standing on the port side at the front of the boat. Looks like a big man. At this distance and in the sort of half-light mm. morning, it's not 100% clear, but you think it might be... You think it might be the steward... Right. ...of the ship. And he's standing... And there's just something slightly off about him. But uh, McCutcheon and Giraud, it's very clear to you that there's something odd about him. He, he seems to be staring fixedly, and he's not holding the bar, which is strange, because when you're, when you're on the side of the ship like this, you know, it, the tendency is to sort of hold it with, with the swell. Mm. Uh, and he's just sort of trusting his legs, and, and you can see him sort of slightly staggering, as if he might have had too much to drink. McCutcheon, with your extreme success, could you give me a listen roll? Sure. Because I think you just, you've become a little bit... Hyper aware, shall we say? And and that's an extreme success on my listen. Okay, so you think you hear what sounds like a whoosh and a thump, uh, and then something rapid that could be f- could be someone running back in the main body of the ship. These ships have those sort of dull echoes, don't they, of the metal, and it's like because they're so solid. Mm. 
uh, and it's 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 from the door that you just left out uh, from this port side door. There's another equal opposite door on the starboard side. So you can go to either side. And there's further doors um, um, up. Uh, is that unusual? It, I, uh, I it's the that. whoosh and the thump, followed by running what sounds like running feet. With an extreme success, I'll give you all three details. In that moment, do you say anything? Uh, am, I, am I close enough to um, uh, either either Crow or to either Crow or Giro to maybe mention something to them quietly? Um. Well, Crow Crow was coming out at the same time as you, so uh, roll luck. Let's see if you moved, and I'll give you a bonus die. Because very much because you did die. so well. Yeah, all of your experience yes. successes. So that's a pass on my luck. Nice rolling so far. Yeah, Crow's Crow's still next to you. I sort of imagine you all along in a line, and uh, Wooncliff's next to Zero. Who's Wait, and so me and Crow are sort of closest to the door. further to the back. I just maybe stir. I just but I. I I've got a cigarette halfway to my mouth, and I oh, just yeah. turn to him. It is the eighties. Yeah, so <laughs> the halfway to the mouth, way in the mouth, and um, I turn to Crow and I say, you "Hear that? Some sort of commotion down there." Give us a listen check, just Crow. Yeah. And while that's happening, Jiro, are you gonna, are you going to do anything about this sort of swaying, staggering man? Are you? Oh, that's a two. So that's extreme success. Question, have I noticed the staggering men, or did I... Yeah, so, oh, but only you and McCutcheon noticed. Hmm. I'll uh, draw the captain's attention to him. Uh, what is the name uh, of the fellow that I think it is? He's a big man. Big Barney. So, yes, you, you do recognise, even though I'd say you were furthest to the stern, you think it might be Henry Duff, who is uh, on the engineering team. He's rather loud and dislikable. Hmm. Uh, it carries too much weight. I'll uh, draw the captain's attention to him instead. Yeah. What you think Duff is up to, huh? Oh, goodness knows. Uh, hmm. Good point, though. Hmm. Looks a little uh, more to starboard than to port, if you see what I mean. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I understand. But uh, you want me to have a word? No, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him in a moment. And, and you do see he closes his eyes as if he's sort of fighting a wave of nausea. That'd be your instinct. But he, but, he, but he absolutely masters himself. And through ever, whatever action anyone does next, he says, Anyway, enough of this. Here's to Griffin Island. And to 1840, when HMS Griffin landed here... <clears throat> when HMS Griffin landed here all those... All those years ago. 124 years ago. Not today, of course. But it was around this Antarctic summertime. Cheers. Bottoms up. He drinks. Cheers. 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 I cheers as well. And I did get uh, a two on my listen, so I got an extreme success. Perfect. So I'm going to go with Giro and Crow and McCutcheon, just for now. Mm. There's some snaps coming from Cook. They're pretty good snaps, too. No photography roll needed. <laughs> um, Basker's recording the whole scene. Uh, Dalton's probably fighting the urge to... You did drink the, the brandy, Dalton? Sipping, sipping. So you sipped a little. Um, but Giro, Crow and McCutcheon, you could... F- physically do something during that toast. You could drift, you could walk confidently even. You could run if you liked, although that might seem a little out of sorts. <laughs> well, was there, was there anything specific I learned from my listen? Oh, and the listen. Yeah, so yeah. You, sorry, you heard running, you heard but it's di- below and deck. It, and, it, and, it, and it instantly 
trails away. If McCutcheon hadn't caught your attention, you wouldn't have heard it. Right. I'm not sure I'm that bothered by that. I mean, uh, I'm, uh, well, the it's men, unusual the men to hear it sort of... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's unusual. It's, I'm just saying, no, it's none of my business, huh? but I heard, like, that sounded like a thump and a run, like maybe someone had... Uh, and maybe it's some kind of scuffle, huh? But it's none of my business. I just thought I'd let you know. What's that? Yeah. What are you talking about there? Something untoward on ship? Yeah. Running down. I say, there. Duff, Duff, and and he he shouts in this very loud, which mm. I won't do. Um, but at the same time, Zero Crow, are you going to be moving? Uh, yeah. If the captain is directing me, McCutcheon's wisely communicated, but I think yeah. that's his movement up. Uh, actually, I'm. How well do I know the captain? Probably fairly well. Uh, six weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, you you trust you trust him. You, I think you do think his caution is wise regarding certain choices. Uh, it's certainly his his policy on no weapons aboard ship. You you approved of heartily. Could I try a psychology role on him just to see? Yes, if I'm yes. getting some insight into what he seems out of sorts. And yeah. there we go. Okay, that's a thirteen on a twenty-eight. So it is a hard success. It sort of all falls into place for you that he's hiding the fact that he feels sick, uh, and also you, 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 you think that was perhaps why the softness in the eyes was there for Rosa Thomas Dalton. You, you suddenly realise, oh yeah, he was being nice to her because she's sick all the time, and now he's feeling sick. And like, you've never seen him. What I mean, he's very experienced, former Royal Navy. And again, you see his his hand is now gripping the bar and is going whiter than white. And he sort of turns, leans on it, and says, Oh, I'll talk to Duff in just one minute. What's all this business that you're talking about? But he doesn't look at you all. He sort of turns away, which is most unlike him. Mm. Crow, are you going to do anything? Yeah, I think I will. Um, I think what what with what uh, McCutcheon pointed out to me, I think going downstairs... I'm, I'm going to go down the steps, see what see what that fuss is about. Even if it's just excellent, uh, yeah. So you walk to the door, Giro. I'm going to I'm going to say that because it was a hard success, I'll give you a little choice as well. Are you going to go any particular direction, a few yards, or are you going to stick with the group? I'm actually sticking with the captain and just coming close to him. So this is nice. setting confidence. Like, captain, you need to go to your quarters. Maybe see the dock. Uh, what you hear is, I, I don't think I'm even going to make it there, old chap. Uh, come on. And as he vomits, um, the figure that you recognise as uh, Percy Brown. <laughs> it is a name you've heard before. Percy Brown, the chef, comes out. Huge fella. <clears throat> Fat as anything. But, you know, that's, you know, he loves his food. Good on him. You don't want a thin chef. Um, he comes out. Uh, he's got he's got beard as well, a bit like the captain's, but it's um, gingery brown. He comes out and he's in his apron, a, uh, bareheaded. He's he's not got his cold jacket on. You've all got jackets on. It's cold. It's, it's, it's like two degrees. Um, uh, and that's that's the Antarctic summer. He 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 staggers out, and you hear this kind of uh, uh, and he's got an axe in one hand. And in his left hand, he has the head of the radio operator, Nilsson. Fuck, what? Fuck, Jesus Christ! So, 
Crow, you're heading directly towards this. At this point, the chef appeared with a with an axe and a severed head. <laughs> My instinct kicks in. My journalistic instincts. I think I think you managed to get that out, Basco. <laughs> Uh, before your sanity Excellent. roll. Um, Maybe it's in my involuntary action, let's see. So, yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's a beautiful, beautiful involuntary action. Um, so, Cook. My mania Crow, is to narrate Jerome. everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, perfect. Thank God. As he burst out from where I was going down, that's the wrong. Yeah, he's just come out with his head. It's dripping blood and the axe is dripping blood. No. Running down his hands. This, God. What you at first maybe thought was sort of the juice of some beautiful Argentinian steak you now realise right. is actually probably human blood Fuck. sort of spatting yeah. all over him I told you we wouldn't get off the um, boat <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant because of time <laughs> I, uh, I, I thought it was because of time <laughs> Danny Cook Edwin Crow and Pascal Giraud oh, fuck yeah. you you, uh, you you blink hard the, uh, the old instincts kick in yeah, and and you can all make choices without having to make a sanity roll. Yeah, Johnny McCutcheon, Barney Basket. I mean, if my last if my last move was to to go down the stairs, well, you're you're, 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 you're well ahead. But let's let's, let's deal with our our, yeah, yeah. our sanity rolls. Sorry, yeah. The, the the shock of the new. Good lord. So no sanity roll for those of us with I guess combat experience. Or... The three of you, as it turns out, have combat experience. Well, I've rolled a ninety three. Ooh, lovely. I rolled a really good roll on my sanity. I'm, I, I passed it. Flying colours. A ninety-three on my forty sanity. <laughs> a pass for McCutcheon and Dalton's nodding, but I'm not sure if that means a hard pass. Twenty-nine to a seventy. <laughs> yeah, she's she's got some sand. Although she, I, I'd like to say that she, on the sight of the blood, she immediately throws up on herself again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I think I think that is fair. But you're not frozen. No. I mean, um, far, far from it. There's no involuntary action. Um, so it, it, it's a it's a D3, I think, Basker, because it's just so unexpected. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know. My sanity roll? roll was so good. Uh, please do. I love it when players roll their own sound loss. One. Lovely. Very nice. An eighth of my remaining sanity <laughs> left in me that I can use without going mad. <laughs> 40 sanity. This is a good thing to know, actually. So yeah, um, Mine's only 45, but I rolled an astonishing six on my sanity, so I think... As I see all this figure come out, the cigarette just goes into my mouth and I slowly light it. I thought you were going to say, so slowly swallow it. <laughs> <laughs> and then jump overboard. And then pull it out your nose. <laughs> Got off the boat, though. Got off the boat. Ship. Yeah. Ship. It's not a boat. So, now I'm going to... Because Crow made the choice, I, I'm going to give you the edge and, and do the lead. So you're the dex, dex order. Great. Uh, because you're closest... And yes. you were heading in that direction. Yeah. So what is what is your dexterity out of interest? Uh, 70. 70. Giro, what's yours? Uh, Giro, 70. Uh, you're 70 as well. Danny Cook, what's yours? 55. 55. Um, and I'll come back to... Es- essentially, the other three of you... We've had a bit of a fright. You've had a fright. So, so well, yeah. you've, you've mastered your senses... Um, I think Basker. I think the involuntary action is you, you say that, and then you just. If it's all right with you, I think you'll just record for this moment. So I'll come back to McCutcheon and Dalton in a second. Mm. Um, but you're, you're still by Warncliffe, Basker. He's like five yards away from you. Cool. <coughs> so Crow, 
Uh, you yeah. see this man, he's kind of coming towards you. Yeah. Uh, and, and looks frenzied. Instinct kicks in. I've, I've seen, I've had this sort of moment, you know, someone bursting out of their gents in uh, the Georgian crown or the, the sloop in, in States, you know, bursting out covered in some feculent matter and sort of looking for a, a scrap. And uh, his hands are clearly, I mean, he's got an axe in one and a head in the other, right? Yep. And I think before I have time to even take in that, I just see the expression on his face, I see the whites of his eyes, and I just, I go to, like, grab his arms and just do a full nut straight on the bridge of his nose. Just want to fucking headbutt him. Okay, so you're going to attack using Brawl? Yeah. Um... <laughs> go back to me, uh, you know, my teenage years. Yeah, yeah, yeah amazing. Amazing. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's have a go. Well, I mean, my Brawl's not brilliant. It's been a while. And that is an 83, which is not good. Well, he too has failed. Uh, so okay. it's... Um, it's The shock of the moment, I, I completely miss it and I sort of go to head his collarbone by accident or something. Yeah, and I think his arms are slip... His, his right arm is slippery with blood. Yeah. Um, and, it's and too messy a moment. sliding down, you can't get a good purchase on him. He's stronger than you first thought, perhaps. Yeah. But he... But, but he tries to he he perhaps slightly nonsensically tries to brain you with the skull of the head <laughs> with our kind of swings over so sprays blood across the um, the deck wow Dalton instantly vomits again <laughs> excellent there's <laughs> nothing left then nothing left oh, poor, dry poor brandy uh, <laughs> uh, so nothing either way for those two but no wounds on either side it's your own uh, I imagine like a, like a cat. At this... Big cat. Yes, uh, although he does spit out uh, a Quebecois curse. Calais! As the uh, blood from the head <laughs> splatters all over uh, the deck. And he is going to attempt... He, actually, he's holding his glass in his hand. He's going to glass it. He's going to, like, try to smash the glass into his face. Or, no, wait, is it, oh, nice. is it a glass glass? That's the question. Uh, ooh, roll up. Oh, yeah. That is... 52 versus 80. Oh, yeah, you're, you're lucky. I am a lucky fella. You're lucky. You're, you're insanely lucky. Let's see if, let's see if uh, my brawl is as good as my luck. It would be brawl, yes. Uh, yeah, so you charge over with the glass, but I'll give you I'll give you damage um, uh, with improvised weapons. Okay. Uh, it's, not, it's not just your fist. That is a 49 on 60. Nice. Sadly, you don't get a damage bonus, do you? Oh, but no, yeah, but it's serious. Um, so, improvised weapon? Mm-hmm. 1d4? Yeah, a punch would be 1d3. Yeah, I think 1d4... I'm going to say, because it's glass, I'm going to say one, 1d4... Uh, plus 1. Yeah. That is three points of damage. But it's... But... You're using it up to do this. You don't get to keep using it. Oh, yeah. No, I just smashed the glass into his face. Yeah. Beg be stuck. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll try to position myself so that I can be out of the way of the hand that has the... Was it a meat cleaver or a knife? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's an axe. An axe. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll try to get away from the axe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you sort of try... Yeah, you do, the, you do the classic drop back, hoping to be able to sort of either dodge next mm-hmm. or... Oh, so he, he, he flails at you. And just misses with the axe. Okay. It sort of sweeps across. 
Another Quebecois curse. A tabernacle! <laughs> well, within the same moment, it was simultaneous action, but you've, you've got this sort of bloody... It's through his his cheek and into his bit of his neck, and you've not hit anything like an artery, but he's, he, is, he is hurt. It was three damage. Three damage, yeah. With the bonus. Yep. So, Danny Cook. He's seen it, he's seen it all, Cook has. Um, Cook is... Cook is stunned, though. He's just completely stunned, like no one expected this. And um, just so I think it's why, uh, again, why he's so slow to act. I think I just look around, like, just look around, is there anything to hand that I can use? Rope, something hanging, um, something rigged to the side of the ship, anything. So you could dash back to the the canisters there. You're, you're sort of almost opposite the bridge on the port side. Uh, so you could dash back to the to the canisters behind you, the, the big water canisters, or you could head to the lifeboat. But since you're taking a moment to pause and you've got war experience, so, you know, you can think in the, in the madness, there is a safety line almost directly opposite the, um, the big water butts. Is that something I could throw on him or something? Uh, so that, there's a rope attached to that and also there's a flare gun there. So could I drag a rope and trip him up? There is a fire axe in in the hall. Oh, now you mention it, uh, <laughs> but it's sort of it's sort of um, not going to get into action. <laughs> you'd have to go past him. You'd have to go past him to try and go and get that. And also, there's a chance that he may actually have it in his hand. I don't, I don't know how. Cookie's not brave enough to run past an axeman to get an axe and get into <laughs> combat with him. But I will try and trip him. I could if I could grab a rope and then like drag it across. And try and take him out, take his feet out. So you you run to the safety line. Yeah, let's try that. Uh, you uh, you grab it and you're and you're heading back there with it. Yeah, uh, you, I mean it's a sprint. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to away from the fight. Literally sweep him off his feet. Uh, excellent. You hear a scream from inside the ship ah! and sound of smashing because you're closer. Okay. The others don't necessarily hear that. I don't change course or anything. I'm going to get the rope and try and trip him up. Um. So Dalton, I think, has the highest dexterity, but Baska, how high was yours? Uh, 30. 30 is my distance. So Dalton's dexterity is very good. So um, although you're vomiting, uh, you're kind of aware of things. Um, because you're a little bit further away from the action, fantastic, you could all, all three of you see um, Duff, who's standing on the port, uh, yeah, the port bow, stagger back, turn round, and vomit. And his face is coming up, and 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 there's sort of streaks of bluey white liquid coming out of his mouth. Oh! And he, and he looks at you with wide eyes, and then he starts going, ah, it's baring his teeth, and he's and he's kind of flexing his hands weirdly, so that his fingers are sort of like he's making claws and pushing them into his palm. And but he's just standing there looking, and then he seems to look out to sea and start sort of waving the hands at something that he can see that you can't... You, all the, the three of you in your sort of... I mean, Basker, you're not really able to do anything about it, really, but you do see this happening. But, Dalton, what are you going to do? He's he's 50 yards away. Uh, the other guy's not... He's 20 yards away. The cook is 20 yards away. I think... I'm so so stunned by the the violence and the blood, and then and then now this this weird blue tinged vomit and kind of deranged behaviour that's happening. Um, how how's the captain at this point? Uh, the, the, the captain is vomiting and, and and is holding on, but he's sort of 
He's shaking his he's shaking his head. You could go over to him. And has he got the same blue? Uh, yeah, I want to go. I want to. You can't quite see it. I mean, his beard's definitely it's got streaming stuff. It's, you can you can. I think obviously the parallel of two two of the crew, two high ranking crew members. Yeah, Warncliffe's closer. Yeah, I think I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll I want to see what's happening with Warncliffe. You know, is this is this an, is this a more imminent danger? Yeah. Um, yeah. He he turns and uh, and looks at you in in horror for a second and then goes, I, I, I'm sorry, I sorry, I don't know what's wrong with me. D- damn, damn it to hell! Is the ship moving strangely for you? Uh, wait, wait. Oh, uh, why are there th- there's three of you? Who? Oh God! Could you give me a either? I'll give you a first aid with a bonus die. Uh. Or a hard education. It might make the same thing. It might equal the same. A bonus die gives you two shots at it. Although your education's very good, isn't it? So you'd be 42, I think, on an education roll. So maybe go hard education. <laughs> uh, and no bonus die on education. No. Zero. That's 100. Z- uh, zero, zero, zero. Oh, dear. The, 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 classic, the classic fumble. I have rolled zero, zero, zero. 100. <laughs> Captain's dead. <laughs> um, third dice rolling. Or she, she strangles him to death. Um, uh, Into the shark's mouth. Pri- you're, you're, you're pri- Straight to bed. He grabs you and you both fall over the uh, edge of the boat. <laughs> you're, you're pretty sure um, that... <laughs> Right, like guys, I'm just going to pop in there. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, do you, do you want to run with this one? What do you What do you think's going on then? With a, com- I mean, like, you've basically got completely the wrong idea. So, whatever you think is going on might might be perfect. What do you think's going on? Uh, I, I wonder if there's some sort of contagion mm. that, that's happening here. But also, I'm looking to the captain as the most senior member of the crew. You know, maybe he has yeah. some some way of restoring order or some idea of how to restore order that. Yeah. You know, he could take charge of the situation. Yeah, which is so tragic because, of course, you realise in that moment he is the source of the contagion. Oh, shit. Okay. Really. It's, you couldn't be more more right about that. It's a, it's an instinct mixed with, you know, years of years of high education. I mean, you're, you're a very sophisticated individual, Oxford uh, <coughs> fellow. Well, not fellow yet, but soon to be fellow almost certainly. Fingers crossed. Uh, but you're a museum curator at... Tenure. Uh, uh, and and you are a hundred percent convinced that it, it explains why he was looking so ill. It all connects. So, um, McCutcheon, mm. uh, an interview is going on to your right, just where the captain is, direct, direct, directly ahead of you, in front of the uh, entrance, the nearest entrance to the ship is a battle between Crow, Juro, and Brown, the cook, and off to your left, a man is going mad. Um, uh, my dex is 65, by the way, in case you need to know that. Yes. I think he's, um, I mean, he's, fundamentally, he's a bit of a pacifist. <laughs> but this is a nasty situation. I think what I might, given that there's a few people now surrounding the cook, I might run at him and see if I can get in there, um, uh, grab his, grab his axe arm and try and disarm him so that I can try and like put an end to this oh, oh. horrible violence 
I love that. I guess that's a manoeuvre. I love that. But I I am going to say that as you take those first few steps, it becomes clear to you that actually, I mean, he is frenzied and you're not 100% sure whether you have the high brawl needed. (laughs) But, you know, manoeuvres are cool, man. Yeah. I encourage it. Yeah. You could take off your CND shirt and just wrap it around his arm. Um... Uh, so you're, you're strongly advising me against that. Uh, I, I'm advising you that, that it may not play into your favour, but I, I love the move. But I think you take a few steps forward. Yeah. I mean, if only you had the dreadnought, right? You could swing it. I could swing it, but I don't think I would. But um, You could run back to the cabin, I suppose. I mean, there are other doors. It's not that big a shit. Other guitars. But I've had, just had a scream from down below as well. Uh, um... Well, actually, because of your previous extreme listen, it'll be the last time I use it, you hear thudding feet coming up from below decks, which is, which is the crew... They're the crew quarters. You're on the same level as uh, the... Um, actually, no, everyone's down below, but they're at the bottom. <laughs> um, <laughs> you hear more shouting and running, and it sounds like people are coming up. So I'll give you that advantage for having moved forward. Okay. But I'll, but I'll have to hurry as to what your action might be. Yeah. Um, no, that was my first instinct. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, do it. I'm going to... Love it. So, is that a straight brawl roll? That is... Do the manoeuvre? It is a brawl roll, but you have to... Um, Better him, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm rolling incredibly well Excellent. so far. That's an extreme success. That's an 8 on a 45 <laughs> brawl. Oh, lovely. Snake. Yeah, I mean, he's rolled a 90, so you're all right. I think he's sort of... He's being... He doesn't quite know, and he's clearly not 100% with it. As as you get closer, and all three of you, you now notice it. He has no beard, but he has these streaks of white foam with with blue tinge down down the lines of his face, uh, from, the, from the corners of the mouth. Um, uh, bubbly white foam. And maybe even a little bit around the nostrils as well. Rabies. Uh, and he... Uh, he, I mean, he wants to try and do something about it, but he's sort of so focused on Giraud, and he's pulling the axe back again. Although it's slippery, you you grab a hold of it. Could you? What's your strength? Fifty-five. Uh, could you give me a strength check? Oh dear, I failed that. Okay. Yeah. So did he. So there's a, there's a there's a there's a tussle, but and and and. It, it comes out, but it also comes out of your hand and kind of clatters on. You go over with it. He's still up on his feet. I mean, you're not in the combat anymore, and you're not the focus of his combat. Uh, but you're now sort of back on your bum and with your hands out behind you. The axe is right next to you. A successful disarming has occurred. Great. So, Basker, you lost the sanity, but I'm not going to punish you with the, like complete immobility. Um, uh, it's, it's your choice. I'm I'm stood relatively close to all this, right? Oh yeah. I mean, like they're 15 yards away from you, directly ahead. Okay. Well, in that case, boom distance. I stride forwards. I've had enough of this. Ruining the documentary. Um, I've I've got the microphone on a sort of boom arm. So as I walk past Crow, I sort of push it into his hands for him to take it off me, and I roll my sleeve up, and then I punch this chef right in between the eyes. <laughs> I've got a lot of boxing experience. That is not so what I it's true. I got me kicked out of Oxford. Yeah. Um, so oh, the Oxford connection. 
where his education's terrible. Um, I love that. I'm incredibly tall as well. Liking your character more and more. Um, yes, he's sort of freakishly tall, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like Stephen Merchant slides up and just... Um, stop that! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I say that, it all depends on this role, I guess. Silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, no. That's an 81 on my 50 brawl. Oh, what a shame. What a shame. Oh. Stephen Merchant slides up and... <laughs> Punches the air. <laughs> I think such is his, such is his physical state. Uh, there's there's no way that he can corral his powers of uh, attention to to even fight back at you. He sort of flails in response, and and some foam flicks off. Ooh, could could you give me a luck check, Basker and Giro? Oh no! Oh yeah. God, that's uh, forty-two on eighty. Yeah, nice. Uh, one luck. Yeah, that's fine. That's a 26 on 45. And, and a sort of a fine mist of, of foam seems to th- th- throw off his face. And he goes... But then he sort of... It's as if he still thinks he's got the axe and he sort of swings at you and kind of... And then he looks at his hands as if something's disappearing from his hands and he can't understand why. And he, and he looks around at you... Um, That is technically the end of that round. Uh, so, <laughs> well managed. We have seventy and seventy from Giro and Crow. I think it's seventy-five from Dalton. Yeah. Sixty-five McCutcheon, sixty-five Basker Cook. Did I get your Adam? Did I get your dexterity? Fifty-five. Mine's thirty. Oh, 35, 55 from... Okay, Mine's so. 30, 3 30. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> um, Very slow. Uh, and uh, is it power? It's power, isn't it, that defines uh, who goes first out of Giro and... Uh, no, the, uh, combat uh, skill. Oh, combat skill. Sorry, of course yeah. it is, yeah. Mm, yeah, a little, little leading. Uh, I'm using uh, Brawl, so that's 60. Yeah, yours is higher than mine. But only just... Okay... Uh, but Dalton technically has the has the first turn out of sheer sort of electric nerves. Hello. Um, but she's not in the combat. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, definitely not. So Dalton, what what what's she gonna do? I think having having made the, had this realization that the captain is mm. is sick uh, and, and <laughs> sick of the same thing. <laughs> well, yeah, like try try to push him away as much o- over the rail. Yeah. <laughs> I think, for the benefit of those listening uh, at home, I should explain that both Jeannie and Dan are using their combined six years, three years each of, of theatrical training in the finest schools in the land to mime pushing Captain David Warncliffe off the edge of the ship, over the railing, and... If he's, if he's sort of slipping and sliding around... Fuck. I, I mean, yeah, to, to be fair, you do 100% Rosa Thomas Dalton. You believe that he is the cause, the epicentre of the contagion. Oh, wait, you're doing this to the captain? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. The fumble was with the captain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's patient zero. I think it's instinctive, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, whether, yeah. Mm. whether you were to say you definitely pushed him over the ship, over the ship's edge, or whether you just pushed him because you wanted to get him away from you, um, and I, re- I mean, really, from a meta point of view, it's like, oh, he's done. He's infected. Let's just. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see the way it's going. Okay, I see. We don't want to end up in a um, thing situation where we're having to test people. 
get them now while we know who they are. We, we, we don't want to end up in that situation. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, right, right. Uh, that's the other way to go. Not again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't, don't wait till all our heads have uh, legs and they're wandering around. The, the ultimate study. That was on TV last night. Oh, can't wait to watch it again. Uh, is it... it is anyone else close enough to help me push it? Uh, the only person close enough now, I think, is... Uh, actually, no. No, they've all kind of engaged or have gone past. Okay. You can see... You can see Cook running back, and he's the closest to you. Um, and actually, Giro, you could probably reach. But he does seem very... Inter- I mean, he looks like he's looking for an opening. Yeah, I would think my focus is... Entirely on the insane man who yeah, recently had an accident. Just had an accident. Yeah. I mean, he's massive. He's a big guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, might, and might I shout out something to the rest of the group? Uh, yes, you could do that. In yeah, at the same time as pushing him, uh, I'd probably push him and then turn to the group and say, "They're all sick. Watch out." <laughs> Lovely. Um, so give me and then ge- and then gesture to mm. here. Yeah, yeah. Because we've all seen this blue, white, yeah, yeah. bubbly yeah. Mm. salmonella. It's just a bad case of salmonella. Right? Kinder eggs. Kinder eggs gone wrong. Government need to crack down on that. <laughs> Edwina Curry, right? Edwina Curry. <laughs> That's all ancient politics. <laughs> the, I think the call I'm looking for is a brawl. A brawl or a brawl. <laughs> a brawl. A bowl roll. Brawl. A brawl. This a is a bowling roll. A brawl roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a 13 on a 28. Oh my word. Spare. Strike. Look at her go. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, okay, so you push him directly backwards and... He looks, he looks horrified, staggers back, and begins to teeter, really teetering on on the railing. He's 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 not gone, but he's clearly in the process of really losing his balance and might and might tip over. Uh, But he's not he's not out yet. His feet coming up there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think I think one foot is off. It looks like he could go. But you, you want to, well, that yeah. probably gives you a bit of momentum to, to move, but you wouldn't be able to engage the other combat or anything because you've. But are you, Mm-mm. are you running towards Cook or are you heading back? I mean, Duff's behind you. I, I think I'm heading towards Cook. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So sort of, sort of sneaking round uh, back to the to the steer the steerage. No, the um, stern. Push, go, love it. So you, you've done that, um, Giraud, Pascal Giraud. Did I see where the axe landed? It is unfortunately on the other side. He's a right-hander, and it's on the other side of the combat to you. Because uh, I sort of had you pulling back to his left. Okay. Only a little bit. You could try and dive for it. You could do one of those sexy roll pickups. Sure. What would I? What would I use for such a thing? Brawl. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Well, you could. Oh, go on. Go on, Dan. You could ask me for it if you could. He's probably near me, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Give me the axe. Yeah, yeah, love it. McCutcheon, hey. do your throw roll. <laughs> or, or you can do something else. My throw's not very Slide it! Slide it! <laughs> Throwing an axe. As you pick, as you crowd of people. Says, he says, slide it, slide it. Um, give me a throw roll with a bonus die. Okay. <laughs> I haven't told you yet where I'm going to be throwing it. Uh, well, you're in luck. I was trying to throw it over the side, but I failed my throw roll. <laughs> By how much? Considerably, yeah. Uh, okay, so you don't slide it. 
you you hoss it. Pretty sure I've got a no D12 really. somewhere. Must be the axe. <laughs> Chucks it over the side. But it's not going to make sense. So it's either it's, it's yeah, it's D6. It'd be fun. These pacifists. So rude. It's going to hit one of us in the back. <laughs> okay, so he <laughs> maybe here's the captain. For a horrible moment, you think he's going to throw it at you, Zero, and you're like, I just said slide, but he but he comes as this weird throw to the right, <laughs> and it clangs into the side of the because um, it's all um, it's a bar, but then there's yeah. sheets of metal between the the, the the surface of the ship. Surface of the I, ass- huh. I assume it lands nowhere within my reach. Oh, absolutely. No, he's made it much harder. <laughs> All right. Uh, then I, I suppose I'm just punching this guy in the face. Yeah. <laughs> We're literally stood around him in a circle Ooh. just right, trying to punch him in the face. Yeah. Speaking of good rolls, that is uh, an 11, uh, which is an extreme success. Awesome. All right. Sick. <laughs> but I don't have a glass anymore. Yeah, yeah. That's because I would have given you the. I would have given you the impale with the glass, maybe. Ooh. But sadly. Well, here's the thing. Um, for my combat maneuver, uh, could I do the thing where I just sort of like you know do the old one foot in the center of the chest and just kick him straight back? Oh, back to back to, into the um, entrance. Yeah. Way. Down the stairs. Down the stairs, hopefully. Well, yeah, there's a, you have to be very lucky because the stairs come up. The old Sparta kick. And then there's a T-junction. I do. I am very lucky. <laughs> yeah, you are incredibly lucky. <laughs> um, yeah, give us, give us the kick. Uh, it, mm, yeah, with the extreme, so the, it becomes a free maneuver, I'll say. Let's, let's... Yeah, so the so the kick is... The hit is an 11, and then do you want me to roll luck or... Um, or first damage? Yeah, let's see how much damage you do first. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was a four, but it's just a straight unarmed, so it'll be three... Nice. Uh, so another so three. D3 damage, and then uh, roll luck, yes? Uh, if you roll luck, yeah, let's see what let's see what your luck does. Mm. Uh, that's not bad. It's a 48 on 80. I think he trips on the... Because, you know, there's always that lip on those doors, which marks the... And this is an absolutely kind of yeah. swing-lockable door to prevent water coming in in terrible weather. Uh, one of the um, circular locks... Winch lock, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he trips, falls backwards, uh, and it's the perfect timing for two cre- crew members to charge over him. They're both screaming, they're going, "What the hell's going on?" Well, the first one is Ahmad Patel, who's moving, really sprinting. Uh, all of you see that there's no white foam. He's running like crazy. Yeah, uh, but he he swings around and his arms are reaching out. Come on, Jones! Come on, Jones! He says. And you hear this, I'm coming, I'm coming, he's gone mad, I tell you. And Jones comes out, he's that same Russian sniper that we all had in um, Machine Translation, the Welsh one. Um, And Mm. he's holding his arm, which is covered in blood, and he's sort of staggering out, and he looks very, very pale. Oh dear. And uh, they they sort of stagger around, they go, he's gone mad, I tell you, sir, sir, captain. At which point, Crow, mm. you have all of the agency in the world. So I've just seen this absolutely sternum destroying <laughs> Sparta kick. Yeah, yeah. He's down, he's not out. He's down, he's not and out. And these are. No, no. But these guys have burst out from downstairs. Yeah. They've just come straight through. What's clear to me, what's clear to me is chaos is broken <laughs> out. Yeah. Onto the decks. So what I need to do is seal that situation. So I, I shut the door. Unlock it. The Titanic maneuver, <laughs> if that's doable. Yes, and I, I must apologise because you, Crow, yeah. have 
the information yes. regarding the access to the armory is is available only to Captain Warncliffe and Ericsson, yes. the first mate. They both have keys. Yes. This is this is common knowledge on board ship. It's not. It's nothing fancy. They don't hide it in that sense. But um, yeah, I think the others of you have never even focused on it. Crow, of course, it's partly your job to know where all of this stuff is. Yeah. And you are also aware that there are various flare guns, uh, one on either side of the ship, one's yeah. just behind you. Ah, excellent. Yeah. You're also you're also pretty sure that the captain keeps a private firearm in his own quarters. Uh, he, he implied as much once at dinner. True. At the captain's table. I'm suggesting shutting the door simply for the moment. If it'll lock permanently, I won't do it. But I, w- I was thinking I could just slam it closed and turn the... Let's say you're coming from the uh, port, the port bow. Tell me where I am, yeah. If, if, if this guy's between me and it, my focus will probably be still him. Sorry, the geography of ships, eh? So you are heading to the door. You're coming. So you're coming down the ship, and you can see yeah. Cook, uh, Danny Cook, yeah. running up. He's got rope. Yeah. He kind of clocks you. The two right. of you sort of clock each other, um, sort of see each other in that moment. Uh, but obviously, you you still have the agency. He's obviously got this rope and was thinking yeah. he was going to do something, but the guy's just been knocked down, and these other two right. sailors have just come through. They're both um, Jones is is on the engineering team. So I know Jones pretty well. Yeah, you do know him, and he's a quite a reliable guy. And uh, Ahmed is uh, he's a deckhand. The youngest. Great. In which case, I, I don't do any of that. I just uh, turn to Jones and I say, uh, what the fuck's happening down there? What's going on? How many of them are down there? Who's gone mad? <laughs> we need to sort this out. He says, well, it's, it's, it's Jeff. It's Jeff Philpot. He's right behind us. So he's the senior engineer. Right. Uh, in that in that split second, you can hear heavy breathing and someone charging up the stairs. I mean, like, they'll be there soon. The other, the Brown, the big cook, is trying to get back up. In which case, I, if, if all I, if my last part of the thing is to hear this heavy breathing and someone charging out of the, yeah. the space in the door, I, I turn back to Cook, Cookie, and I sort of gesture to throw an end of the rope. I try to signal that anyway, like sort of, but that's the last part. I'm yeah, a, nice. It's on to someone else, yeah. Well, I think it's a combined action. It's McCutcheon who goes next. But because he's sort of done that thing with the axe in response, I think this is... I'm yeah. going to stagger through. I'll come back to you. But if Danny Cook... It's your choice. Do you? <laughs> it's all about other players asking other players to throw things. Yeah, yeah. What do you do with this request? Let's throw it. Yeah. Over the side, yeah? <laughs> I'll give you a bonus die because you're so close. I need it. Yeah, I think we all do with throw. Yes. Yes. Just. Yes. Yeah. Um, so. he, he looks stressed, and you know, it's a bit wayward, but you catch it. You pull it, presumably pull it taut. Yeah. Crow, as you as you come back, you get to see what Basker, Juro, and Dalton can see. Well, actually, do you know what? You can all see this. Mm. It's all like the cor- corners of eyes for, for Danny and Johnny. It's all those bloody peripherals. You pull it taut... Philpot comes charging around the corner. He's got two kitchen knives, and he sees Brown there in front of him, and he just sinks them into his neck. Shit! And then pulls them out, and blood goes everywhere, and foam from his mouth goes everywhere. Fucking hell! But it's all contained, and he screams and says, "Blue sapphire!" Oh, uh, and then, and then he cuts his shirt open and charges out. Jesus Christ! <laughs> 